Um, but your prayers prepare the way, amen? And uh, I don't know how many times I've said that, but it just really makes a difference. When people pray, you can feel it um, when you're overseas. Anybody that's been overseas can tell you that. But um, also, you can pray for the manifestation. I still need, uh, well, I needed $2,500 when I left home. I need 2400 now <laughs> to make this trip happen. So, uh, you know, God's got it. Amen. And I received it when I prayed for it. It's just a matter of getting it here. And so it comes from all, all kinds of places, unlikely sources. But I have them um, about a month yet. So we need that to do the groundwork, the, all the evangelism and the pastor's conference, graduation, all those things have to be paid for by our ministry while we're there. So um, plus all the food. Um, so appreciate your prayers in that area. So let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you and give you glory for who you are. We thank you, Jesus, for being obedient unto death, for meeting all of our needs, the Bible says, are met in Christ Jesus. We thank you for sending the Holy Spirit, Father, to inspire the Word of God. And so we invite you, Spirit of the living God, that inspired the Word to come and minister life to us now from the word that you inspired. And we give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor for that in Jesus' name. Uh, we're talking about proclamation um, the last few Sundays. And this message is just entired, entitled Proper Proclamation. And what I mean by that is, you know, we say a lot of things that uh, really damage our lives um, and probably don't realize it. And so we're going to look at some of that. But before we do, uh, we need to look at a few scriptures um, to set up what God wants to say. He wants us to know that uh, we're important. Now, you know these scriptures, um, but it's a reminder. The first one is in First Peter 2, 9 and 10. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. We just heard about that. A holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim, there's that word proclaim, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Of course, Peter was talking to Israel here, but there's also another scripture in Romans chapter 11, verse 17. It says, And if some of the branches were broken off the original tree, which would be Israel, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree. So we were grafted in, as it were. One more scripture in Galatians 4, 4 to 7. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth the Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. 
And because you are sons, God has sent forth his, the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Wow, you just missed a good place to shout right there. Now you are a son or a daughter and an heir of God. Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, is your older brother. He's also your savior. He's also your redeemer. He's also your healer. And the list goes on. All of our needs are met in Christ Jesus. Because we are who we are by God's grace, a royal priesthood, what we proclaim, what we say, what we announce with our words is very important. You know, um, England still has a king over there, and when one of the princes says something, it's on the front page of the newspaper. Anything they say makes the newspaper. And our king is much higher, amen? amen. So the, the words that you say as a royal priest, as a member of the family of God, are very important because you're royalty. It's not going to make the front page of the paper, but it's very important what you say. Now, Jesus, you'll agree with me, is our example in everything. He ministered, as Tom pointed out last week, in the power of the Holy Spirit while he was here on earth. He laid down his divine powers like you take off a jacket and lay it down and operated, even though he was true God and true man at the same time, as a man filled with the Holy Spirit to show us what can be done, what he would like us to do. He was our example in everything. And Jesus would always proclaim uh, the word or something that agreed with the word. Now, God's goal is for you and I to be as much like Jesus on this side of heaven as we can be. Amen? And that should be our goal as well. Therefore, if we can or should be doing something similar to what Jesus did, if we want the same kind of results. If he made confessions that were uh, either the word of God or agreeing with the word of God, we should make proclamations that either are the Word of God or agree with the Word of God when we're dealing with things. So that's God's goal, is that we would all be like the Lord Jesus as much as we can and do the things that he, do, he did. There's another scripture found in Hebrews chapter 4. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, 12, I'm sorry. It says this, for the word of God is living, oh, now I can see it. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Wow, that's, a, that's an all-day preach right there. See, the word of God is living. This word is living. It's alive. And uh, it pierces to the division of spirit and soul. When it says it's living and powerful, it means that it's active, 
It's operative and it's effective. The word of God itself. See, the word of God are, um, is filled with faith. The words are, are faith words. Those are the only things Jesus spoke. It's piercing, it's reaching through, it's penetrating. When it says joint and marrow, that's talking about the body. That's reference to our physical body. It separates that. Division of soul and spirit from our intellectual mind, which wants to follow what our body tells it, what our five senses say. It separates that from the thoughts and intents of our heart, of our spirit, where real faith is birth. In our newsletter that we put out, we have a scripture on the front of it. It's John 8, 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And that's what this is all about today, is, is sharing a little truth on proclamation. Some things that you may know, some things that you may not know, that will help you in the future to proclaim things as Jesus proclaimed them and begin to see similar results as to what Jesus had. Now, proclamation can be either a big blessing to you or proclamation can be a big problem to you, depending on what you're proclaiming. All right? So... Many people proclaim what their five senses are telling them. And that becomes a problem. Because your five senses, you know, taste and smell and see and touch and these kinds of things. That's all, they, all it knows. And if you're going to proclaim those things, you're going to be complaining how bad your back hurts, you know, how sick you are, how, the fact that you don't have enough money for this or that or the other thing. These kinds of things. For example, that's a good one. I don't have enough money to meet my need. Well, that's a problem if you keep saying that over and over again. Saying it once might not be a problem, but when you continually say that you don't have enough money to meet your need, that's a problem. Now, this is the flu season. You know, I was talking to my son the other day in Washington. There have been uh, five, six people die out there. It's so bad. From the flu. And some people will say, yeah, it's flu season. I get sick about this time every year. It's really bad this year. I'm expecting to be ill for about a week. I'm not saying that. That's an example, Lord. <laughs> Just want to make that clear. So continually proclaiming your problem reinforces your problem. It undergirds it when you continually confess your problem. So we want to get away from that. Because faith works both ways. You're putting faith in your problem opposed to putting faith in what the Word of God says. If you continually confess how sick you are or you don't have enough money. I need $2,400. I don't confess that. I'm just sharing that with you so to help you pray for the manifestation of it. I have no worries that it's going to show up from somewhere. In fact, I'm giving money away as we speak. <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> Praise God. All's got to be one smarty pants in the crowd. <laughs> I give, give an illustration. I was overseas one time and I gave uh, some pesos to whoever was sat in the front row 
in some kind of an illustration about giving stuff away. And then I said, now I wish all of you that are sitting in the back, I wish you'd have sat in the front row now, don't you? Yeah. All right. So we need to understand that words are important. I want to say a couple things, things about words. Words paint a picture. And one of the illustrations that's commonly used is dog. If I say the word dog and you have a dog at home, you're probably picturing your dog in your mind. Or I could say the word horse. If you have a horse at home, you're picturing your horse. So they paint a picture. If I say big black dog, that paints a little different picture. Then you're probably thinking of a big Labrador or some kind of a big black dog. So that's one of the things words do. The other things that words are is they are containers. And that's my illustration. I know I said this was my lunch, but I fibbed. <clears throat> uh, words contain either faith. This nice clear bottle of water contains faith. Or it contain unbelief. I put dirt in this one here. You can't even see through it. Now, you would drink this water, amen? It would be healthy for you. The same when you speak the word of God, when you proclaim the word of God into a situation. It's healthy for that situation. But if you're proclaiming doubt and unbelief in your situation, you wouldn't drink this water. At least, I don't think you would. Because it would kill you eventually. And it's the same with doubt and unbelief if you're spouting it, if you're proclaiming it. And eventually, it just reinforces your problem, and the problem keeps getting bigger and bigger. Might just leave that air for the next guy speaker. <laughs> just kidding. So you can see how important it is. And there's a scripture um, in Proverbs 18, 21 that you're all familiar with. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's a very strong statement. And those who love it will eat its fruit. So you can speak, you can proclaim life to your problem by speaking the word to it. Or you can proclaim death. In other words, the problem just stays there. It doesn't go away. There's no, no answer to it. And you might say, well, if I just say something, what can, what can that mean? Well, I'm talking about saying it over and over again. And if you read the rest of the scripture, and it says, those who love it, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it eat its fruit. That means that you'll reap the rewards of what you're proclaiming, what you're saying. Eventually, you're going to reap the reward of that. You know, I can give you some examples. I'll give you one later toward the end. But, uh, you know, if you're continually saying you're sick, you're going to continually be sick. If you're continually saying you haven't got enough, your needs aren't met, they're never going to be met. Literally, as your mouth speaks and proclaims out of the abundance of your heart what you believe, it will speak life or death. There's another powerful scripture found in James chapter 3. <clears throat> 
James chapter 3, verse 4. It says, Look also at, at the ship, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a boast a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue sets among our members that it defiles the whole body. Wow. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tame and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So no man can tame the tongue. That's not good news. It says in verse 6 that the tongue is a fire of iniquity. The tongue is set among the members that it defiles the whole body. So when you're talking about, I'm sick all the time, that means defile there means to soil or to stain. A stronger word um, is also in there, it says disgrace. And your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't want to soil that. You don't want to disgrace that in any way. You want to honor that. And talks about the course of nature. That's talking about physical effects of nativity. And the word generation is mentioned there. You know, some people out of ignorance will say crazy things to their kids when they're small, when they do things wrong. You're dumb, you're never going to amount to anything. This guy, I know none of you would ever do that, but some people do that. That affects them their whole life. Their whole life. And this is the scripture. To back that up. So how do we properly proclaim as Jesus did? How can we better proclaim? How can we change the way we proclaim? Because our natural body wants to just say what our five senses are telling us. They're the voice of the body. Well, you've heard me say this many, many times. Pray the promise, not the problem. Pray the promise, not the problem. There's all kinds of promises, over 3,000 in the Bible. And there's a promise for your need, whatever it might be. Yesterday was Friday. Let's say you lost your job yesterday. And on the 15th of February, you have a car payment, 200 bucks. On the 1st of March, you have the rent payment, 800 bucks. So you need $1,000 for sure this month. Many Christians will pray that need back to God every day. And after a few days when nothing has changed, then they begin to proclaim, Lord, I have no job. What am I going to do? It becomes kind of a desperation thing. Now, it's not wrong to tell your problem to God. However, he already knows it. God knows everything, amen? So when I have a problem, he already knows I'm in the soup. He already knows my problem. What God wants to know, Warren, do you know my answer to your problem? 
So a better proclamation, rather than uh, proclaiming our problem back to God and to everybody else around us, would be to proclaim the promise of God. And for this, it's found in Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That's very comforting. Paul could say that because he knew that everybody's need was already met in Christ Jesus. It's already a done deal. We just need to acquire it. Whether it's healing, whether it's finances, whether it's a relationship thing, whatever your need is, it's already been provided in Christ Jesus in the spirit realm. And we get everything, we acquire things from the spirit realm by the faith that God gave us. He gave us that measure of faith. It says, you supply all our need, singular, whatever our need might be. We have a lot of needs in our lifetime. But whatever it is, whatever that need might be, according to his riches in glory. And God is very rich. He owns the earth and everything in it. In fact, everything that you and I have really belongs to him. We just steward it. Amen? And so... Um, this is very comforting. <clears throat> your proclamation, leaving it, the word of God in your heart, in your proclamation, you're proclaiming the living, active, effective word of life into your problem. Listen, you're proclaiming it as a member and joint heir of the royal family. You are somebody in Christ Jesus. And what you say carries weight in the kingdom of God. Whether anybody on earth wants to listen to you or not, it's another thing. But it carries weight in the kingdom because you're royalty. You're his child. Hallelujah. And the, living, the word is a living, active, and effective. So when we proclaim that, it's a live, living word. Into our problem, it's going to affect, it's going to go to work for you. And you're proclaiming it as, as a joint heir and as a member of the royal family. Well, Brother Warren, what if, what if I'm sick? You want me just to say that I'm well, even though I'm sick? No, proclaim the word, not the worry, not the sickness. You all know Isaiah 53, 4, and 5. Surely he has bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed, Isaiah said, long before the cross. He knew it was coming. You agree with the word, not your five senses. Your body's going to tell you you're sick. I have 101 fever. I ache all over. My eyes feel like they're sunk in my head. But the word of God says that you're healed. So proclaim the word of God into that. Don't proclaim what your five senses are telling you. That's not going to change your situation. You're just reinforcing 
the sickness. But when you're proclaiming the living word that's alive and active and effective, you know, that word is, these words are filled with faith. All of the words in this book are filled with faith because they're inspired by God. 1 Peter 2.24 um, that's dear to my heart because the first time I was ever healed back in 1980 was on this scripture. The just of it is by whose stripes you were healed. It looks back toward the cross. Isaiah said you are healed looking at it's coming. Peter's looking back toward the cross. You were healed. Past tense. Well, watch this now. Your response to an undesirable situation will determine how long you're in that undesirable situation. Let me say that again. Your response to an undesirable situation will determine how long you're in that undesirable situation. We need to know the word so that we're ready when a problem arises. Otherwise, we're scrambling around. It's almost like a panic. You need to have your heart full of the Word of God. It's important not, not only to know the Word in your mind, in your soul, in your intellect, but you must believe it and know it in your heart. And that, that takes meditation. Because that's where you're going to proclaim from. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You're proclaiming whatever is in your heart in abundance. And you want to speak words of faith out of that abundant heart. So fill your heart with the word of God. Don't wait for a catastrophe to come. Do it now. So when a problem comes, you're ready for it. You can nip it in the bud, as they say. Hallelujah. I want to close uh, with a scripture here in just a second. Just to remind you that faith is the currency of the kingdom. That's how we acquire what God has already provided for us. And Jesus did some teaching on this scripture, uh, on this subject in uh, Mark. Mark 11. Uh, Wayne Two weeks ago, alluded to this scripture. I remember him saying that he was glad it was in the Bible. And so am I. Now, I didn't write this. This is what Jesus said, okay? Mark 11, 22, and 23. This is his teaching on proclamation. Verse 22, so Jesus answered and said to them, now he's talking to them, he's telling them, uh, about the fig tree. They're asking him questions. How come the fig tree withered? He spoke to it, it withered. And they're wanting to know all about that. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. So the first thing you have to do is have faith in God. If you have faith in God, that means you have faith in his word. Amen? Amen. Jesus and the word are one. We're going to have faith in God and faith in what he says. We're going to unpack this a little bit. Now, verse 23, he says, For surely I say to you, 
Anytime you see a surely in the Bible or verily, verily in the Bible, it means I want you to get this. Listen up. God is wanting to get our attention. Surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, whoever says, not a prophet, not an evangelist, not a pastor, whoever says, that would include all of us, amen? Whoever says to this mountain, a mountain is in um, unsurmountable problem. How am I going to have $1,000 by the end of the month? How am I going to have $2,400 by the 7th of March? So if you're concerned about it, you just speak to the mountain. Notice he doesn't say, come to me on bended knee, begging and pleading for me to help you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying to us to speak to the mountain. To be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, there's the heart again, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So when it says surely, that's a word that means firm. It means, so be it, amen. And whosoever, that's all of us, says to the mountain, we can proclaim, announce to our insurmountable problem to be removed. We're supposed to be doing this kind of stuff. Well, we have to have, first we have to believe in our heart because that's where we're going to make this proclamation. Not with this thing, but with this thing. It's coming out of our spirit. So there can be no doubt in your heart, is what he says right here, and does not doubt in his heart. And the last time I spoke to you a few weeks back, that was the subject I was talking about was doubt. Faith is not the problem. We have plenty of faith. The mustard seed will move this mountain, the Bible says. But a little bit of doubt will trump your faith. So you have to get rid of all doubt and the antidote for that is the Word of God. It's so rooted and so grounded in the Word of God that doubt just disappears. And it needs to be in your, um, that faith needs to be in your heart because that's where the proclamation comes from. So believe in your heart, proclaim it with your mouth, and it says right here that it will be done. So that brings up the question how long do I proclaim? Well, I recommend push. A big P stands for proclaim. A big U stands for until. A big S stands for see. And a big H stands for happen. Proclaim until you see it happen. Now, how long is that? That can vary. Uh, two years ago, you all know I had a torn meniscus in my right leg. And I went overseas and hobbled around on that. Um, I don't know, we had 
90-some people confirmed healings. I'm still hobbling around when I came home. And after I got home and got off of my leg for a little bit, and I continued, I didn't pray for God to heal my knee. I'm proclaiming his... See, we're just reinforcing. We're supposed to reinforce what Jesus has already done. He's already won the victory over all these things. And we're just reinforcing the victory. We're not trying to get it. It's already ours in the spirit realm. We're just reinforcing it. And proclamation is a big part of reinforcing the victory of the Lord Jesus. So I had to proclaim that I was healed for two and a half months. And I went to bed one night, woke up the next morning, you all have heard the story, and it was just gone. It hasn't given me any trouble since. You know, how does God do those things? I don't know. I even got money back from a specialist. $35 copay. I went to see him and I didn't have any pain and he wanted to give me shots and operate. And I says, God healed me. So he took me up front and told him to give me my money, give this guy his money back. I didn't do nothing for him. I'm not going to charge him. I had another miracle right there. I mean, he's a specialist. He still talked to me for six or eight minutes. You know, what they did a minute. So it's going to vary how long you have to. One other time I had to proclaim um, something for uh, 30 days. You may only have to proclaim it for a, a few times. It depends on where you're at spiritually and um, you know, we have to, we, this isn't natural. We have to train ourselves to do this. This is supernatural stuff. And we have to train ourselves to do that because we're so used to living in the natural and just listening to our five senses and obeying what they tell us rather than what the Word of God says. So proclaim until you see something happen, however long that might be. Now, you can't just go around saying crazy stuff and expect it to happen. You know, there's the blab it and grab it crowd, you know. They just say something and they think, I could tell you some crazy things that I've, I've heard from uh, people, but, you know, that just take this way, you know, out of context and try to do things with it that it was never meant to do. So, however, in this scripture, in Mark 11, 22 and 23, Jesus clearly teaches us the importance of believing in our heart, not having any doubt, and proclaiming what we believe in this passage of Scripture. It's clearly taught. The key that's, that's overlooked a lot here is the preparation of the heart. Because if you don't put faith in there, if you don't put the Word in there and prepare your heart, that's where it begins. Because you can't proclaim in faith and see results until you've meditated the word in your heart and all the thoughts and intents of your heart believe. Then you can proclaim from a heart of faith uh, into your problem and begin to see results like Jesus did. The word, in other words, I'm saying to put the word to work for you. The Word of God will work on your behalf if proclaimed out of a believing heart. The Word of God will work on your behalf if proclaimed 
out of a believing heart. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to make a couple proclamations. If you're if it's hard to stand, don't worry about it. Just stay where you're at, sitting. <clears throat> so I want you just to repeat after me. <clears throat> I am who the Bible says I am. I can do what the Bible says I can do. And I can have what the Bible says I can have. Well, the Bible says, you don't have to repeat this, the Bible says that you're a royal priesthood, joint heir with Jesus. The Bible says you can do the works of Jesus and greater works. The Bible says that all your need, period, is met in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you and praise you that you're the total package. Hallelujah. That everything we need is already been provided for us by you, Lord Jesus, in the spirit realm. We give you all glory and we give you all praise and we give you all honor. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. We're going to go right into communion today. Um, <clears throat> communion uh, the qualifications for that is that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It doesn't matter if you're a guest or you're one in a congregation. As long as you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're welcome at the communion table. We have three stations, one here, one over there, and one will be out in the foyer. So let's sanctify the elements. And <clears throat> I should tell you also that... Um, the outer ring is grape juice, and the inner ones are wine. So you have your choice of what you would rather have. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do and often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. There's another pro proclamation. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, in other words, irreverently, will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Now let a man examine himself and let him eat and drink Eat the bread and drink of the cup, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many, many sleep. So let's just take a moment and search our hearts before we go to the communion table. Lord, uh, search our hearts and see if there be any wicked way in there. See if there's anything that anyone we need to go to, anything we need to repent of, Lord, so that we can come to your table, taking part of your body and your blood unto our salvation, Lord God, unto our healing, uh, whatever the case might be. Lord, we 
thank you and praise you and just wait a minute on the Holy Spirit. Listen to him. Amen.